Have you ever found yourself speaking to somebody and you haven't really been listening, but you've let on you've been listening? And then that person maybe asked you a wee question and you have no idea. And I see all the women going like this, like wee chickens. <laughs> every day. And some of the ministers, yes, every Sunday. What that's called is a preoccupied mind. Now, we're having a laugh about it, but actually the Bible would teach us that there is a force at work that seeks to distract us from even remembering that there is a God, let alone getting ready to come home to meet him. You see? So that's what we're going to be pulling out tonight. That Jesus warns of a preoccupied mind that is a distraction to rob your soul. Christian, it's a distraction to rob your service. It's a distraction, no matter what way we look at it. So I'm going to be reading tonight from Luke's Gospel, chapter 12. If you've got a Bible, turn with me. If not, I think it's going to be on the screen. And as we're turning, I just want to pray, if that's okay. So, Father, we thank you, God, for this great, Lord, number here tonight, God. Father, we thank you for just the sense of your presence. And, Lord, how that one message of just come home, Lord, that's what you're speaking into this tent. Lord, there's men and there's women here tonight, God, and they needed to hear that. They wanted to hear from you, God, and what they've heard is come home. That's what it is, I come home. So, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would help me tonight, Lord, to be faithful to your word, that, Lord, above all things, that, Lord, you would speak to your people. Lord, there's not one person in this, Lord, tabernacle tonight that you don't love. There's not one that you don't know. And, Lord, we pray. Lord, as a church, we pray that you would do a mighty work among us tonight for your glory. Lord, that we would see people come home. We would see people saved tonight and go on for God. We'd see life restored and rebuilt. Because that's what you do, God. You rebuild and you restore and you save, God. So, Lord, I pray that you would bless us in these moments in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So let us read together. So Luke chapter 12, verses 13. I'm going to be reading through. It's the parable of the rich fool. Starting in verse 13. Now someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all greed, for one's life does not consist of the abundance of his possessions. And then he told them a parable, saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And this man thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and I will build bigger barns. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Now relax, eat, drink and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things in which you have worked for, whose end shall they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Amen. This parable is an amazing story. And what you're going to find out tonight, that this, this, it affects every person in this room tonight. There will not be one part of this, somewhere along the line that you cannot see in your own life. So I want to just remind you about the preoccupied mind. In this story, we see a man with a preoccupied mind. Now listen, he sat under Jesus' preaching. Imagine that. But this man heard nothing that Jesus said. 
All he could see and all he could think about was this family issue that he was having to do with inheritance. He had a preoccupied mind. We need to be careful of this. We need to be careful tonight that we haven't got a preoccupied mind. That we're here in person, but in mind we're somewhere else. That would be terrible tonight. If you found yourself here, and perhaps God trying to speak to you, but you were somewhere else. You're in your work for next week. Don't worry about your work next week. I promise you, it'll be there. Nobody else will do it for you. It'll be there. Try and be focused. Try and let God speak to you tonight. This man heard nothing. We need to be careful, but this can be costly to us in our life. I want to bring some context to this story before we delve into what we've just read. What we see at the start of chapter 12, we see that thousands of people have come together to see and hear the Lord Jesus speak. See, the Word of God has power, hasn't it? It's got power. There's something about the Word of God that it draws men. Now, we mightn't agree with it, but it, it does something within us. And this people couldn't help but to, to be in his presence and to hear his words. Because in my experience, things happen in the hearts of men when God's words preached. Amen? Things happen to us. Changes us. And so Jesus begins, begins to speak. And he, he, he starts off by addressing the believers first who's among the crowd, which is interesting. There's thousands there, and Jesus says, I want to speak to my people first. And this is what he says. He says, Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. It's dead religion. And he's speaking to the Christian. He's saying, beware of dead religion. You add yeast to a lump of dough, what happens? The whole dough is affected. And Jesus is saying, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. See, these religious leaders, the added man made, made laws to the free gospel, the gospel of grace. They added laws to it. Do this, do that. We understand that, don't we? Should we go to the shop on a Sunday? Should we cut the grass on a Sunday? We, we start adding to the freedom that Christ has given us. And these religious leaders, they added man-made laws to the gospel. And they distorted the pure truth of God's work. They added works. Now be careful of works for your faith. If you're here tonight and you're not relying on anything else but the Lord Jesus Christ... You have got yeast in your faith. And it's affected your whole faith. Works has no play. It has no play. The added works to the free gift of salvation. And that's what religious religion does. It puts shackles on the arms and on the legs of God's people. That's what it does. But the Bible says this. Him who the sun sets free is what? Free indeed. There's no shackles. There's no works. When you come to the Lord Jesus Christ, the gospel is faith and repentance which leads to the salvation. Religion is good works that leads to damnation. Simply put, there's no works attached to salvation. And thank God, because some of you boys would be in trouble tonight. Isn't that right? Some of you lads would be in trouble, especially some of them are my boys and poor down men. There's something about the gospel that it's not about works. So if you're here tonight and you think you're, you're saved because of your works, you've been deceived and you've been lied to. And you need to repent of that. Trust the Lord Jesus and him alone. And he alone will save you. Amen. So, so then Jesus says to the people. So that's the first thing. He spoke to the crowd and he spoke to his people. Now he's speaking to everybody. And he says this. Fear God. Fear God. There's people in here tonight and you've wanted to come to faith. But you're afraid of the person beside you. You're afraid of the person in your home. 
You're afraid of the person in the workplace. And Jesus says, fear God and fear God alone. He says this, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but after that can do no more. He says, fear the one who after you have been killed has the authority to throw you into hell. Jesus says, fear God. Then Jesus tells the people, each of them, that they're loved by God. You see, you see the balance of scripture. We've got a, a bad balance in our society today, but it's all about the love. I'm sure Jesus understands, he accepts me the way we are. How often are we hearing that today? Don't allow that into your life. Yes, it's not about works, but if we're truly saved, we'll not want to live in sin and claim we're saved, will we? When God takes a life, he changes it for his glory. And Jesus says, listen, you're loved by God. And he tells a wee story, he says, does a man not sell five birds? After which he forgets all about them. And then he says, but God doesn't forget about the birds. And then he says, see you, every one of you, he knows how many hers is on your head. That's how much God loves you. Isn't that something? He doesn't forget the birds. He doesn't forget you. Then he says something that just warms your heart. Just to know that God loves us. He says, even when you feel that people have cast you away like them poor birds, you feel forgotten. He says, you need to know the Father knows you and he hasn't forgotten. You see, this is Jesus just telling the people the way. Then he finishes off as we teach him by saying this. You need to confess Christ to be saved. This is what he says. Listen to what he says. Jesus says that everyone who confesses me before men, I will confess him before the angels of God. But whoever denies me before men, I will deny them before the angels of God. See, just to put this simply for you, without a public confession of Christ in your life, you're not saved, according to the Scriptures. Maybe you have responded to an appeal for salvation at a time in your life, and you found no change in your life. Appeals can be dangerous. There'll be an appeal tonight, but I want to say they can be dangerous. They can give people a false sense. You need to believe tonight, and you need to confess to the, tonight to the world that you are a Christian. Maybe that's where you've went wrong. Maybe you've made some sort of commitment, but you've never ever went any further and told somebody. That's what the Bible teaches. You need to confess, you need to believe. Listen to what Romans 10 Verse 9 says, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you openly declare, you see, that's what the Bible teaches. With public confession comes salvation. So listen, that's Jesus' sermon. To be fair, he's not a bad preacher. Sure he's not. I should have took his sermon points and used them tonight. Beware of dead religion. It's powerless to save you. Fear God, not man. God loves you, each of you. He values you more than you can ever understand or know. The very hairs in your head are numbered by God. That's how much he thinks of you. You may feel in life that people have just left you behind and forgotten you. But God hasn't forgotten you. What a preacher. The thing is, this is God himself. God incarnate who spoke these words. This was not some preacher. This was the preacher. And even though some of you tonight find yourselves lost at present in life, God hasn't forgotten you. His eye is on you and you're loved. But listen, 
We all have sinned and we all need saved. That's what the Bible teaches. And as I've said, there's going to be an opportunity later on. I want you to prepare yourself. If you want to get saved tonight, if you feel God speaking to you, as we close, I'm going to give an opportunity for you to raise your hand and I'm going to pray for you. And if you pray that prayer, you need to confess. That's what I'm going to give you right at the outset so you know what's ahead. Prepare yourself. If God's speaking to you as we finish off tonight and you know you want to be saved, I'm going to give an opportunity at the end of this meeting. And here's the thing. Remember, without public confession of Christ in a man's life, there's no salvation. Remember this. If your friends don't know you're saved, the chances are God doesn't know either. Is that fair? If your friends don't know, the chances are the Lord doesn't know. And here things begin to change for Jesus when he's finished preaching his sermon. At this point in the meeting, as Jesus was preaching, something really strange happens in verse 13, where I read to you tonight. Jesus has just preached a powerful, clear message. Then a man just speaks out of the crowd, and he says something really, really random to Jesus. Think of this. This is what he says after he's just heard what I've just spoke to you now, right? And this is what this man says in response to this. Teacher, tell my brother to invite, divide the inheritance with me. There is the danger of having a preoccupied mind. This man sat on to the preaching of the Lord Jesus himself and he heard absolutely nothing in the meeting. He was distracted by the curse of this world and I suspect there's men and women in here tonight and you're distracted by the curse of this world. And that's what Jesus is trying to pull out. He's trying to get our attention because the Bible tells that Satan blinds the mind. He distracts. He distracts us to stop you hearing the gospel. Maybe for some of you that's already happened. You've already switched off and you're thinking about something else. You've heard absolutely nothing. I wonder is that true? Well, be warned if it is. Because that's the work of the enemy. That's the work of Satan. He wants to blind. He wants to distract you. The Bible says this, Satan, the God of this age, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the glorious gospel and be saved. It's a distraction of the enemy. And Jesus says to this man, who appointed me judge between you and your family? Now, I want to just say this and move on very quickly. Jesus didn't get involved in this family matter with, to do with the will. But I want to say something very quickly in the name of family and in the name of unity. Let us each be careful when it comes to our will. It has the potential to rip our family apart if it's not handled wisely. Amen? It has the potential to destroy your family. Handle it very, very wisely. Now this man, as I said, he sat under Jesus' preaching. He didn't hear a word that Jesus said. Because that's what troubled hearts can do. This man was so caught up in the world. He was so caught up in this inheritance. What we notice here is that he's had absolutely no concern for his soul. And that's what I want to say to you tonight. Are you as concerned for your soul as you are about the wealth of this world? And that's what Jesus is trying to say here. And at this point, Jesus says to the crowd, Now watch out. Be on your guard. Now think of that. Guard yourself against every form of greed. For one's life does not consist of the abundance of possessions. Friend, your life is not about stuff. Thank God. Your soul is more valuable than any or all of the worldly riches that this world possesses. 
fix your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ and trust in him. And listen, you will know true riches. Amen, church. True riches. Money just gives you a heartache. Ask some of the big rich farmers in this tent. Give them heartaches. The riches and the peace of God can't be bought. A poor soul that knows the Lord is the riches of all souls. And Jesus tells a story of the foolishness of preparing for life, but not preparing for death. All right? We can prepare well for life and fail miserably for death. And he speaks about a farmer who began to prosper greatly in his land. And we are told that his land produced much grain and all his barns were filled and only half the harvest was in. This man had problems. This farmer had too much wealth and his barns were filled. We are told that he began to think to himself, what am I going to do? Where am I going to store my crops when I bring them in? And then he got a type of brainwave. He says, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. Because that's how we think, right? We can never have enough barns. We can never have enough money in the bank. We can never have a big enough house. It all has to get bigger because that's just how life is and it's how we act. And he so this man says, I'll turn down my, my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And then I'll be able to store all my grain and all my good. And then here's the lie. And we've all told ourselves the lie and this world promotes it. He said to myself, soul, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. So take it easy. Eat, drink, relax and be merry. It's funny that's exactly how the world thinks, isn't it? Work hard now, live later. Yeah? Isn't that it? Young people, get your education, work your life now like Ma and when you're old and clean done, then live. Isn't that it? Work hard now, gather up a good pension pot. What a lie. Some savings, retire early, take life easy, go holidays, eat, drink, and be merry. And this farmer was likely a religious man. I say that because Jesus referred to religion at the start of this story. That means he would have attended church every now and again. He had religion. He didn't have Christ. He, more often than not, was too preoccupied to ever hear what the preacher had to say. All that was on his mind was the farm, you see. The farm was on his mind, that was it. An abundance of crops that was coming his way. And the farmer begins to draw up plans for these newborns. Because that's what we do in life. We, we always have to plan and plan and, and build and grow, isn't it? That's, that's what we do. It's in us. And all he can think about at this moment in his life is bigger barns that are going to give promise to a better life and a better future. And the farmer being so occupied in his mind, he unintentionally becomes preoccupied and somewhat consumed by it. You know what happens? He begins to neglect the most valuable thing that he has, his family. Not something. He spends all day in the farm. He spends all night in the office looking over the plans of these new barns, barns excited of what's ahead and what's he going to do. Every day and each day his mind is just preoccupied with the work that's ahead. Ringing contractors. Should we know what that'll be like? I'll be here tomorrow. You'll not see them for six months. Price and steel. On the phone to the planners, changing this and changing that. You can just imagine his position. 
each day just consumed with these barns. Then each day after school, his children would come to see him in the office. They liked to do that, come and see his, their dad. They talked to him about their day at school, you can imagine, what they did, what they didn't do, anything that made children, they didn't learn a thing, didn't do a thing, what's the point? But that seems to be the story. And maybe these children were telling him the same. They would talk to him about their day at school. And to be fair to this farmer, he did try to listen to them. He did. But you see a lot going on in his mind. The farm was big. The barns needed to be bigger. The work was going on, you see. And as these children spoke to their father, he heard nothing. The best thing about it, I suspect, is the children knew that he didn't hear a word they said, he said, they said but they understood. They understood. Of course they did. Because he was busy providing for them, wasn't he? The farm, well, it's demanding. It works demanding, folks, isn't it? It's hard to find time in life, let alone time for the kids, but they're always going to be there. They're always going to be there when I get home. And each night, the early hours of the morning, his wife would perhaps come to him in the office, hand him a cup of tea, and, and try and encourage him to switch off and come to bed. Rest a wee while, you see. But it's hard to switch off when you're preoccupied in your mind. It's hard to go to bed when you're busy. Sometimes too busy to say goodnight to the children. Too busy to listen to the children's stories. This man was preoccupied of the deception of riches. And Jesus wants you and I to know about it. That we too can learn from it. It's all he can focus on is, is what he has to do in life. The, the, these barns, the, the farm, the, the planning, all these things. You understand? We understand that. It's life. It's life. And so the months passed by. Then one night in the early hours of the morning, as the man sat on his chair, he was counting up the cost of the barn because the work had started. And all of a sudden, the farmer sensed that he just all of a sudden wasn't alone. There was a presence. And he turned around and he found a man sat in the corner of his room. I suspect the farmer felt a little bit of fear in his, in his heart. And gently asked this man who he was, what he wanted, and why was he in his living room at this unsociable hour. And the man answered the farmer and he introduced himself. He says, my name's Death. See, Death comes at an hour when we don't want him to come. He comes to our home when we're just not ready for him to come. We can't pencil in to our busy schedule and our preoccupied minds that when death's going to come, and we see that, and Jesus wants you to see this. He wants me to see this. The farmer sat there, I suspect, unable to speak. Fear has gripped his heart. At first he thought this was a prank from the family. But death wasn't laughing. And the farmer asks why he was here. What are you doing at my house? And death says, I've come for you. Imagine. Does he not know? So much to do. And the farmer begins to protest because that's what I would do. Make deals, I would do that. Try to make deals. He says, look, I've got plans. I've got unfinished work. 
I've got the yard. I've my family. I wanted to see my children married off, you see. My wife. And the farmer says to death, listen, can I go? I can't go with you now. He says, just not yet. I have so much that I still want to do in my life. You see, life's precious, folks. It's precious. And I understand we all get on with our life and we don't realize just how precious it is that death comes, but it's precious. And Jesus wants to tell you, to remind you tonight that there is a God and life is short and it is precious. But this man didn't want to go. And he asked for more, but Jesus' death didn't respond. Then all of a sudden, you see, something changed in the farmer's thinking. He was no longer concerned about these bigger barns. Why is it? That wealth all of a sudden is absolutely no worth when death comes to our doorstep. But yet we spend our whole life pursuing after it and and building and trying to accumulate. Neglecting our family, neglecting our children, neglecting our faith because of wealth. And, And all of a sudden this farmer doesn't care about the barns. His children's on his mind at this point. And he says to death, he asks death, can I go and say goodbye to my children? Just one more. Can I go and kiss my wife goodbye just one last time? At that moment, death stood up and simply left the room, never spoke. The next morning, the family came down to breakfast, and there, in the armchair, the farmer had passed away. You know what was on his knee to? The big plants, all drew up for the bigger barns, was just on his lap. That's what he held dear to his heart, and that's what landed on his lap when he took his last breath. Bigger barns. I want to bring you to the funeral because I suspect at the funeral there'd been a really, really good tribute given to this man, wouldn't there? Good tribute. The minister would turn around and say, listen, this man was a great family man. He loved his family. He loved his children. He provided well for them. And he was a great businessman. You could learn from him. Great man. And earning money. Building barns, you see. One of the best farms in the country. He was the envy of his neighbors. And his character, well, he was a gentleman. Good godly example to us all. And as the minister spoke highly of the deceased farmer to the gathered mourners, a voice could be heard, and it sounded as if it was the very voice of God. And it said, you fool. You fool. You fool. You spent your whole life running after wealth and trying to build bigger barns. He prepared well for life. He never once thought of death. Never once. You lived as if your children would always be there. You thought for every night to go home, your wife would be lying there for you. What a fool that man was. What a fool. I wonder, is that man you tonight? I wonder, is that you tonight, woman? you relate to that? Is that your life? Have you allowed the enemy to get into your mind and leave you so preoccupied with, with building in this world that you've never stopped for one second to think, is there a God? If there is a God, what does he say to me? Come home. What does that mean to come home? Acknowledge that you're a great sinner and receive the great Savior. Confess him. You fool. And what does it actually say to You fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things which you have worked for be? What a thought. 
I want to close in a wee moment. Everything that you are building for, everything you are accumulating, everything I am accumulating, one day is going to be somebody else's. What a thought. Why then do we pour so much time into that? And the one thing that we're not guaranteed every night is our wives, is our partners. One thing we're not guaranteed every night is our children to kiss the bed goodnight. Do you see what Jesus is trying to say to you and I? Don't be so preoccupied with this world and her riches that you neglect the things that I have given you which are precious. But there's one thing that he's given you that is more precious than all. And that's a soul. And our souls can be, can be lost. And they can also be saved. And you are your own soul. That's the part of us that is eternal. And Jesus says in a different account, he says, For what should it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul?